What's going on, you guys? I'm Ronnie. And this is Amanda. <laughs> and this is Ground Zero. Welcome to Ground Zero. Okay, so welcome back, you guys. Um, in tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the strange phenomenon happening around the Bennington Triangle, which is located around Vermont. Uh, similar to like the Bermuda Triangle with the strange phenomenon that happens over there. Uh, so Amanda's done a lot of research. You ready? Yes. I gotta grab Todd. Todd is our little chihuahua. Needy chihuahua. You mean. Yeah. He has to be held yeah, so at all times. <laughs> if you hear him in the background at all, just know that it is Todd the chihuahua needing attention. Yep. So Bennington had had bad luck since the 1800s. Its local economy, mainly mining and logging, collapsed. Tourism failed and a huge flood devastated the community at the close of the 19th century. This bad luck followed into the 20th century. Oh, snap. And the area is said to be cursed according to Native American lore. Indians in the area have always avoided it. They only use it strictly for burying their dead. It could be why it's cursed. Could be why it's cursed. You think it's like maybe Indian burial ground and it's been messed with or... Yeah. But... But it's... always avoided the area except yeah. for... Which, I don't know. Which, I mean, Native Americans, I feel like they have a lot of knowledge to the... With the paranormal stuff, so... Yeah. There was a reason Very they avoided it. Connected. Yeah. To... That stuff. <laughs> Since he was a child, the unknown had fascinated New England author Joseph A. Citro. Is it Citro or Citro? I don't know. To Citro, this part of Vermont's Green Mountains was a hotspot for unaccountable disappearances and sightings of supernatural creatures. He called the area the Bennington Triangle. So he started the name of the area. There have been strange voices heard on dead air radio stations, sightings of mysterious figures, and planes would crash for no reason. So just like the Bermuda Triangle in a way. Yeah, they're just like flying over the area and they just crash. That's crazy. For more than two centuries, there have been many sightings of a creature described to be Bigfoot which came to be known as the Bennington Monster. So it's like a Bigfoot? Yep. Okay. Back then, it was just known as the Bennington Monster, I guess, I don't know, before Bigfoot was a thing. Right. One of the first reported sightings was in the early 1800s when a stagecoach was forced to stop because the road was washed out. The driver noticed a huge human-like footprints in the mud, but they were way too big to be human. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, the coach was attacked by a large creature. It knocked knocked the coach on its side, and they were so scared and in shock by the sudden attack, they didn't really get a good look at what attacked them. You know, that reminds me of a similar story in... Yeah, the werewolf, werewolf springs, springs, where that stagecoach uh, got tipped over from the werewolves, and they just ran into the woods to flee. Yeah, the um, was it like a traveling Cir- sideshow? Yeah, or something. something. Yeah, two. What do they call them? Like the dogmen. Dogmen. Uh, Borneo. Yeah. Yeah, they described them to be large, hairy black men that stood at least six feet tall. Hmm. Interesting. 
So, it, I mean, the way that they're describing them, whether it's Bigfoot or some other monster, or maybe a dog man, yeah, depending on, I don't know, or a shapeshifter, could be. That's part of it, uh, Native American lore. Yeah, shapeshifters. The stretch of woodlands around Glastonbury Mountain includes towns of Bennington, Woodford, and Shaftesbury, Shaftesbury, as well as the ghost town of Somerset and Glastonbury. Many people have disappeared in them, in that whole area. Missing 411. Yep. They're said that around 30 to 40 people have disappeared on the mountain. But today we're just going to talk about six of them. The most popular disappearances, I guess. All disappearing from 1942 to 1950. So in just nine years, six people went missing. That's crazy. Yeah. About 30 to 40 altogether, just in that area of the that little triangle. Area. And most of them, there's like no evidence to what happened, right? Yeah. There's... I think there's only a couple that were found. And so these are just what I could find. This is all the information I could really find. So in 1942, a 13-year-old boy, Melvin Hills, went missing in the Bennington area and was never found. And that's all I could find on Melvin Hills. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to me. I guess back then, I mean... Yeah, so long ago, I guess... They really didn't cover much on the story. Either that or, you know, it just can't be found now. Yeah. Records. Get lost. Get lost. Who knows? In 1943, Carl Hedrick was out one day doing some hunting with his cousin, about 10 miles northeast of the ghost town, Glastonbury. When he just vanished. And three days later, his body was discovered. And guess what? What? It was surrounded by huge footprints, and it looked like he had been squeezed to death. Oh my god. Isn't that creepy? (laughs) Uh, Could you imagine that being the way to go? It's like just squeezed? Yeah. And then being the ones to like find that? Yeah. That oh like my find God. someone that's been squeezed out, basically. Just yeah, that'd be a horrific death. Yeah, and especially to like be squeezed by whatever type of creature this is. That's got to be huge, though, with like an insane amount of strength. That's just why to do I that. think this is a Bigfoot. That's taking people, killing them, whatever Bigfoots right. do. I mean, like, a Bigfoot, though, like, is similar to, like, an ape, right? Yeah. But it has to be way more powerful than an ape to, like, squeeze somebody to death. Yep. So five years later, a very experienced hunting guide, 74-year-old Mitty Rivers, was leading a party of four hunters in the area of Hell Hollow southwest of Glastonbury. He knew the area very well. And as he led them back to their camp, the group said he got ahead of them on the trail and they never saw him again. A search of 300 locals and U.S. Army soldiers come through the whole area for eight days and the only thing they found was a rifle cartridge of the same type that Rivers used. Even after the search, many locals thought he was an experienced woodsman and he would just come out of the woods one day. Right. Maybe he just got 
turned around, turn yeah. around or something, and he would just show up, but he never did. And like no, I mean, other than the the cartridge, the rifle cartridge, yeah, nothing, nothing. And then a year after Minnie went missing, on Sunday, December the first, nineteen forty-six. 18-year-old Paula Wilden had worked two shifts at the Biddington Dining Hall where she went to school and spent the majority of the day studying and then decided she wanted to take a break from studying and left around 2.30 to go hiking on the long trail, which is... I think I was reading that that's where that Melvin Hills went missing was that long trail. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that. I saw somewhere on an article where it said he was he was last spotted on the long trail. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. She told her roommate what she was doing and left the dorm. She didn't have her own car, so she had to hitchhike to the mountain. Around 2.45, a man stopped and gave her a ride and claims that he dropped her off about three miles from Route 9, where she wanted to start the trail. And that's weird, because he dropped her off only three miles from where she wanted to start. Why didn't he just take her all the way there? Yeah, that that is strange. I would think that's a little sketchy Yeah. for him, but... There was a lot of people that saw her walking the trail and said she was wearing a bright red parka jacket, jeans, and white sneakers, and had a black watch on. That's a lot of detail. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> a bright red jacket, just that'd be a, easy to spot. Yeah, just passing someone on a trail, like... And you could just identify all everything. <laughs> oh, she got a red jacket. I would remember a red jacket, jeans, white shoes... But even a black watch. No, my These brain people... can't. <laughs> yeah, can't do that. <laughs> These people are paying a lot of attention yeah. to who they see on the trail. I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Just in case someone goes missing. Yeah. But she wasn't really dressed for the cold. Because this is in December. Oh. And she was only wearing... That parka jacket? parka jeans and sneakers. So maybe it's like one of those December days where during the day it was kind of warm, but the temperatures were going to drop later. Maybe. So one witness even spoke to Paula and asked her about the total length of the trail. And an hour later, after they spoke, the sun set and it started to snow, accumulating around three inches. Paula's roommate started to get worried when she didn't come back from her hike, but she didn't report her missing until the next morning when she didn't show up for her class. The university called her parents to ask if they've heard from her, but they hadn't. So and then it was snowing like three inches, and you're not dressed for the snow. Yeah, so if it was going to snow, that means it would have been pretty cold. Right. So why would she go out hiking just in, like, sneakers? I don't know. So all Bennington's college students were required to sign in and out of the campus when they would go, like, back and forth, in and out. yeah. They had to sign something. And there was no sign out by Paula that day. So she was never there, obviously. But her roommate said she left the dorm. Oh. So when they leave the college... They have to sign out, but there was no sign out so from how did, Paula. Wow. In the hours after her disappearance, a waitress in Fall River, Massachusetts, said she saw a young woman that matched Paula's description in the diner she was working at. She described the woman appearing disturbed. Hmm. What could be disturbing her? I don't know. Maybe she was taken. Like abducted from someone? Yeah. And then another theory is that Paula was depressed and may have either run away or committed suicide in the woods. 
according to some, she was considering changing her major from art to botany, but was struggling with the decision. She was feeling somewhat depressed in the days or weeks prior to to her disappearance, but they didn't think she was severely depressed. That's interesting. But then her parents disagreed. They think her boyfriend had something to do with it, especially her dad, which did not approve of their relationship. Okay. And then the only other thing that links her boyfriend to her disappearance was a report from a psychic. Oh, really? Yeah. But the authorities didn't consider her boyfriend to be a suspect. Well. But her dad was still insistent that they continue to follow that lead. And then later on, a person of interest was a man named Fred Gaddity. Gaddity. He was a lumberjack that lived near the trail where Paula vanished. In 1955, he went to the police and confessed confessed to having information about her disappearance and knew where her remains were buried, but then later recanted the confession and claimed he was simply seeking attention. Oh. But people that knew him said he would brag about attacking and killing her. That's creepy. Yeah. And why would you seek attention for something like that? you got to be, it, like, messed yeah. up in the head. What if that guy was, like, killing all these people? You would just be out in the woods. Come across someone. Stalking people. Yeah. And killing them. Yeah. And then another theory on Paula was that her dad was actually involved. In the week prior to her going missing, she had planned to return to her parents' house in Connecticut for Thanksgiving, but she decided to stay at the campus instead. Her roommate also said Paula and her father had a disagreement right before she went missing. So maybe Maybe something happened there. Yeah. Her dad did something. That's possible. I don't know. There's so many theories on like what could happen to people that just disappear, especially with like the missing 411, because there's like nothing. It's just they vanish. Yeah. It's weird. And even after a $5,000 reward and more than a thousand people looking for her, there's nothing. Yeah, not even a bright colored clothing or... Nothing. I don't know. Maybe she just ran away. But the last that she was spotted... But then that guy... Huh? Claimed to have killed her. Yeah, why would you do that and then retract it? And say, oh no, I just want attention. Yeah. But even people that knew him said that he would brag about killing her. So... Okay, so James Tedford, a World War II veteran, was living in Fletchertown, Franklin, Vermont, with his wife, Pearl. And I guess there was a pretty big age difference between them. At the time, James was 56 and Pearl was 28. I feel like that was common back then. Yeah. But around this time in James's life, things began to get a little unusual. When he returned home from the war, he was expecting to be greeted by Pearl, excited for his return. But when he entered his home, she did not greet him. He looked around the house and didn't see her anywhere. So he called his family, and they said they hadn't heard from her recently. But they did say that They had last seen her heading to the store in Franklin. So that's kind of weird. Nine years later, in 1949, James Tedford was on his way home to the retirement home that he lived at in Bennington. But how does his wife just disappear? I don't know. And then nine years... Well, they said that... I guess all of her stuff was gone too, so maybe she just, just packed up and moved out. Yeah. And didn't talk to her family about what she was doing. Yeah. 
I mean, there was no other information about it. Maybe they didn't have a good relationship or yeah. who knows. And then nine years later, in 1949, James was on his way back home to the retirement home that he lived at in Bennington from a trip to see his family in St. Albans, Vermont. He boarded a bus along with 14 other passengers, and the ride would normally take about eight hours, but there was a huge snowstorm, so it was delayed a few hours. The route passed through the Green Mountain National Park, a region known for people disappearing around the 1940s. James was seen by all other 14 passengers. They said he was in his seat sleeping for the majority of the ride. When the bus finally arrived at Biddington Station, all the passengers got off the bus except for James. He was nowhere to be seen. Did he just stay on the bus or no, he wasn't he on was the bus? he was just gone. He was there sleeping in his seat. They arrived at the station and he was gone. Just vanished. Yeah, but all of his belongings were still in the luggage rack. But he was never heard from again. Did it stop along the way and he like got out? I don't think so. No? He just disappeared into thin air from a moving vehicle. So at that time it was going through that Bennington Triangle. Yep. And he just... Yeah, right off the bus. Vanished. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yep. It was investigated, but no one had seen anything or reported anything strange. Except for the fact that he disappeared. I mean, that's pretty strange. That I mean, yeah, that's strange. But it's odd that none of the other passengers said, Hey, you know what? Something did happen, or this happened, or... Like... Well, we did stop here. Maybe he got off. Maybe he just forgot his luggage. Right. Because it doesn't say how old he was at the time. Well, nine years later. Well, he's 56. He would have been like 65. 65. He wasn't that old. Yeah. But he was living in a retirement home, so maybe... He had, like, dementia or... Maybe. Something, but... I don't know. I mean, was that... No one said that they stopped somewhere. Maybe he got off and... Got lost? Yeah. But he was never heard from again. But his wife also disappeared. Yeah. Which is really So weird. that's kind of crazy that they both... Maybe they were connected to the mafia. Maybe. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like aliens have to do with this stuff. Oh, yeah. There's multiple sightings of UFOs in this area. See? There's, like, a lot of weird things going on. And people disappear. Mm-hmm. And then Bigfoot, I mean, I don't know. And then in the same year he went missing, three other men were out hunting on the mountain and went missing. And then on October 12th, 1950, eight-year-old Paul Jepson was playing in a cab of a pickup truck. His mom was tending to some hogs at the dump she worked for. She left him in the truck and figured he would be fine while she went and checked on the hogs. She claims she only left him unattended for less than an hour. And then when she got back to the truck, he was gone. And then she looked all over the area, could not find him anywhere. So she reported him missing. And then hundreds of people searched for him. Bloodhounds were brought in, and they picked up his scent that went towards Glastonbury Mountain. But they lost it at a crossroad. So that made them think maybe he was picked up on the road. That usually, yeah, because if they lose the scent on a road, yeah, means he somehow got on a vehicle. Yep. Or a person but, picked him up and carried him off. Yeah. 
But the strange thing is that his dad said that he had been obsessed with the mountains for several days before he went missing. Oh. And that the mountains lured him in. That's interesting. Isn't that creepy? So it's almost like he was put into like a trance. That, or some people think that his parents had something to do with it. Oh, okay. And just used the other disappearances as an excuse to get rid of their son for whatever reason. Man, that would be uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, and people even think that they fed him to the hogs. I was thinking about that earlier, like, well, or did he fall into, like, a hog pen? Mm-hmm. But the bloodhounds would have picked all that up because it would have been on... Yeah, they tracked him to the road. Yeah, so... So either he got picked up or... Something. I don't know. But it is a strange area, so that makes me believe... Well, for one, yes, it is possible that the parents could have done something with him or he could have been kidnapped or anything like that, but then... But if... What if they were telling the truth about him talking about the mountains for days that's what i'm saying like with all the other occurrences and ufos and bigfoot and all this strange stuff happening around the area kind of makes me think what if they are telling the truth i mean there's so many missing 411 cases out there i mean people go missing and it's strange because there's no evidence and they sometimes they find them um alive or not and they're like way on the other side like 30 miles out or more um some cases they're completely across the country when they're found and it's just bizarre because most of them have no memory of what happened if they are found alive yeah so it's i don't know it's crazy to think about yeah and then only 16 days later frida langer was camping with her family in the woods near Glastonbury Mountain. Her and her cousin, Herbert Elsner, left the campsite near the Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. They got about a few hundred yards away from the campsite and she slipped and fell into a stream, soaking her clothes and her shoes. So she told her cousin to wait there while she went back to change. Her husband was at the campsite resting his hurt knee, but after Herbert waited a while and she didn't come back, so he went back to the campsite to see what was taking so long and she wasn't there and her husband said that he hadn't seen her come back. But they didn't think that she could get lost because she knew the area very well and especially since it was still daylight. But she wasn't that far off from the campsite. And she knew the area. She knew how to get back, obviously. Yeah, they were only about a few hundred yards away. Right. So within a few hundred yards, I mean, you're talking about... She fell. Maybe a thousand feet. She turned around, went back, and disappeared. Yeah. So in the next few days, about 400 people searched the area on foot, plane, and helicopter. And then another search was done on November 5th and on the 7th and then again on the 11th and 12th with 300 military, policemen, firemen, sportsmen, and other volunteers. They searched and searched for her but never turned up anything. That is insane. So the search was called off. And then seven months later, on May 12th, Her body was found near Somerset in an open area that had been searched multiple times before. Like a missing 411. Yep. They searched searched the area. And then poof, there she is. Yeah, same area they searched. Yep. But because her body was so decomposed, the cause of her death could not be determined, and the case still remains unsolved. So that's crazy because, I mean... It's just like another missing 411 story where they go missing, the mm-hmm. search team goes out there, searches the grounds everywhere, 
And then months later, her body's found, but they can't determine it. Yep. So it's just unknown. But they did say that she had just had brain surgery because she got a tumor. And she would suffer from blackouts and seizures. And her husband, cousin, and medical examiner all agreed that that was the cause of her disappearance. But that doesn't make sense. No, because Because if you're going to have a blackout or a seizure, it'd be right there. there. It wouldn't be somewhere off in a field. No, that makes no sense. No. I can understand if, like, she had a severe case of dementia and got lost and got turned around and just kept going further and further deeper into the woods mm-hmm. and got even more lost. But, no. Yep. So, some people think that this was a serial killer stalking people in the woods of the area. But because of the wide ranges of age and gender of the missing persons... The possibility of them being victims of a serial killer is unlikely. Yeah, because most serial killers kind of stick with a certain type. I mean, there's some that don't. I mean, there are some, um, but I I don't know. But you have other strange occurrences there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. So a lot of people think that this is paranormal there's UFO sightings in the area. Yeah. Some people think it's cross-dimensional wormholes. Now that would or, be crazy. Yeah. Or the Bennington monster. Or Bigfoot. Okay. Now, let's think about this, okay? What if it's a combination of everything? What if... What if the UFOs, the aliens, put these people into a trance? And they... It kind of guides them in a certain direction, right? And they get pulled into like a portal wormhole where you could be right there 10 feet from them and they could disappear and you could look in their direction and they're not there. Yep. And then what if that person came across a Bigfoot or what if he simply got crushed from a wormhole Mm -hmm. just walking into it, just crushed his body? Yeah. I don't know. I think... But then you have the footprints. That's true. Yeah. I think Bigfoot. Or aliens. Aliens. (laughs) Like, what if there's aliens? I think we talked about it before on here. We probably have. Um, They're invisible. Yes. The invisible humanoids episode. Which Which are aliens. Right. Yes. And so they're invisible. And they're watching these random people in the woods, stalking them, right? Hunting. Like the predator. And then, so they see someone on their own. Like a target, yeah. Yeah, no one else around. So they take them, right? Yes. And when they touch you, you become invisible too. Yeah, it's like part of their cloaking ability. They touch you and you go through a portal. Yes. Because a lot of these, they say it was just a few minutes or they went ahead on the trail and then they were gone. Right. Now, I could see it if, like, let's say the invisible humanoid alien being touches you and you become invisible and they somehow um, knock you out. Yeah. And then they just sit there while you walk past or, like you said... They suck you into a portal, and then that portal can open up anywhere they want it to, and that's why some people could be like 30 miles out or halfway across the country when they are found. I don't know. It's so crazy, though. Would you go there? Probably. Yeah. We'll take a camera, so that way, if the camera ever gets found, we can document it. Yeah. So they say that on the Bennington Mountain... The trails, the hiking trails, stop partially up the mountain, so no one goes up there, really. Oh, okay. And when you walk into the woodlands, like past the trails, there's like no animals. Oh, it's like off limits to anything. Yeah, so not even animals will go in there. 
what if there are like alien beings living in there yeah that's crazy I, like i imagine it being like a dense forest with a lot of fog kind of eerie looking it is yeah so i found this one redditor's description of it because they went up there to work on a project about the bennington triangle okay they say the woods are very dense and eerie in that area. Oh, okay. And if you walk like 10 feet off the path, you can lose the trail and your sense of direction. Wow. So they were up there getting some footage of the trails when all of a sudden, like all this fog rolled in and they started hearing church bells. That's kind of scary. Yeah. I don't know about that. And then when they were driving down the road... One of their headlights went out, and the check engine light came on, and they were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's a bad sign. So they pulled over to look under the hood, and then when they got back into their car, it wouldn't start. Yep, it's a classic scary movie. Yep, it's like a perfect setup for a horror movie. Yeah. (laughs) So they decided to be smart and not walk around the foggy darkness. Because there's no lights anywhere around. It's just dark and foggy. Yeah. So they decided to just take a nap in their car and wait for someone to drive by and help them. Oh my god. This reminds me of the movie The Monster, where that girl's taking her daughter, and then the car breaks down in the middle Mm -hmm. of nowhere. Yep. That's a good movie. You should Uh, check it out. Yes. The Monster. I wonder if it's based on the area, just like loosely based on that area. Could be. Bennington monster. Yeah. Could be. So, when they woke up from their nap, they were on the main street of a village. What the heck? And there was a service station right there next to them. How? <laughs> no. So, they walked over and talked to the mechanic and told them what happened. The headlight went out. Right. The check engine light came on and the car wouldn't start. So they walk back over to the car with the mechanic, and it starts right up. Hmm. I wonder something, right? So <clears throat> there are some people that experience this. Um, it's like part of like an alien abduction thing. Yeah. Where they have lost time. Yeah. What if they thought they were taking a nap, but they drove blindlessly, basically, to that village? Like it's the area, like, taking over their mind. Right. Ooh, that's creepy. Could you imagine, like... Well, like, experiencing that? Like, yeah, your car breaks down, so you just fall asleep in your car, waiting for someone, and then you wake up and you're in some random village you've never no. been to. I think I got kidnapped, and, like, I'm inside of, like, a, like the movie The Village, mm-hmm. like that, like, you, like a cult thing, like they captured you or something. I don't know. My mind would just go crazy. So... I found someone else's story that is connected to the Middington Triangle. Okay, it says, My 24-year-old daughter reminded me of a story that I shared years ago. When she was just six months old, her mom and I took her on a canoe camping trip on Grout Pond, which is, which is part of the Bennington Triangle. It was the weekend after Labor Day and the parking lot was empty when we arrived. The weather was already getting cold and I remember a cold breeze as we set off across the pond in our fully loaded canoe. The pond has dog leg turn to the left. Have you ever heard that term? No. Dog leg turn. Hmm. I've never heard about that. And I recall looking back at the lonely parking lot and hoping my truck would be okay as we made the turn toward the end of the pond. We searched for a good spot to make camp and decided on a split level site. The wind continued to get stronger as we struggled to set the tent on the upper level and got a fire going on the lower level near the water. That night we ate well lobsters which we had picked up in Gloucester Gloucester on our way up from Boston 
and wine from Washington State, where I was born. I remember falling asleep to the sound of the wind in the trees and hoping that our beautiful little girl would sleep through the night. She did, and we woke up fresh and ready for a new day of, of exploration around the pond. I'm a get-up-and-go kind of guy, and my wife wasn't, so by the time we got to the water, it was afternoon. The weather was just right, and the pond was flat as glass. We fished for bass, explored the beaver ponds, and paddled until dusk. As we were heading back to our camp, things changed. All the wildlife went quiet. Not a peep. Not a lick of wind. When we nosed the canoe into the shore, we noticed what looked like the full moon rising on the other side of the pond. That's weird. I recall wondering what cycle the moon was in. Then the moon began to rise faster. Not like a shooting star, but just slightly faster than what we thought was normal. It was fast enough that with is fast enough that within maybe 30 minutes it had gone completely over us and settled behind the hills past where our tent was set. We built a fire and had another fine camp meal. We went to bed early, around eight. The night was still completely quiet. Sometime after we fell asleep, we were awakened by a strange call across the pond. I say it was a call because it was like a peacock, but it wasn't. It was like a man howling at the moon, but it wasn't. A dog man. Again, I fell asleep and was awakened again by the same call, only it was closer. Nope. This is giving me chills. Nope. This is the first time reading it. Oh my god. I got chills. Mm. Again, I fell asleep and was awakened again by the same call, closer. This cycle happened for a few more times. I don't remember exactly how many. Each time, it was closer. By this time, I was sitting in a camp chair in the center of our tent, clutching my little sawed-off shotgun that I bring on wilderness trips. Listening to the sound of my heart beating so loud that I'm sure it could be heard across the pond. It sounds like me when we go camping. I'm like, I want to be Anytime. strapped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grabbed a strap. Suddenly the line that we stretched the tarp over the tent thumped like a bass guitar. I jumped up and shouted, Get out of here. I have a gun and I will use it. What I heard then really freaked me out. It sounded like there were many of them running away and making their strange calls. Ugh. Oh my gosh, so there's more than one. Jills! So uh, many Jills! What if... <laughs> there's no telling what it could have been. Mm, I would die. I would just die. I mean, is that like dogmen? Is it... Mm. Invisible humanoids, oh. Bigfoots, big feet, big feet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I could hear them scurry through the brush, which surrounded the tent. No. I remember looking at my wife clutching our daughter, and the horrified look on her face, and our little girl sound asleep in her fluffy pink bunny sleeper. I was gonna call it our tent, our only fortress. An hour or so passed, and I fell back asleep in my chair, clutching the shotgun. And again, they came close. This time, I jumped out of the tent and discharged a couple rounds into the air. And again, they ran into the brush, sounding their strange laughter. That's disturbing. Oh my gosh, this is creepy. Oh, I can imagine. How would you be able to sleep? There's no I way. No, I would leave. I'll just get in the canoe and paddle right back to the car. Yeah. I'll leave everything there. Or don't least, care. I don't know. I'll just leave. Be like, nope. I'm gone. Mm-mm. When I gathered myself, I noticed that dawn was coming. So we decided to take what we needed to get the canoe back. 
When we made it to the launch, there was a park ranger standing at the dock looking out towards the pond. He would not look at us. While I was telling our story, he didn't look at me in the eye or say a word. What's up with God. that? What is up with <laughs> that? Give me so many chills. Oh my what God. the heck? After I loaded up my daughter and wife, I realized that my wallet and other important things were still at the camp. No, bro. As well as the tent and the shotgun. No, oh, the my shotgun. God. The shotgun's like number one. What? Oh my god. So I decided to make a power paddle back alone. Still, the ranger was staring at out at the pond. It's a seven-mile lake, and the dog leg was maybe halfway. Well, oh my god, seven miles. See. <sighs> when I beached the canoe at camp, I quickly gathered up the kitchen the kitchen and fishing gear. When I walked up to the tent, what I found still makes my hair stand and my heart pound. I'm scared. Here we go. Uh, first all of our bedding was folded neatly and placed outside the tent. And in the wet ground were little footprints. What? I'm going to pass out. Hundreds of them. Hundreds? Round and round the tent, all going in the same direction. Like they little were running around the tent? Little children-sized human footprints. Black-eyed children. Freaking black-eyed children. Right. The sight is still clear in my 24 years later. I loaded up the canoe fast and headed back to the launch. When I arrived, I asked my wife about the ranger. She said he stayed on the dock looking out at the pond, never at her until I came around the dog leg. He got in his truck and drove off. That's bizarre. Like, why is he acting sketch? That's freaking creepy. Does he know? Is he part of it? I mean... Is he, like... Did that, like, possess him? Maybe. But why? Why were the clothes folded? No, the bedding was folded. Or the bedding. Oh, my God. But why? And... Is it, is it like, black-eyed children? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, that's weird. I'm not going camping anymore. No. How could you go camping after that? Like the first time I heard that noise, like it was me, and I heard that noise, I'd be gone. Yeah. There's no way I would stay. No, I'd especially hear it and like then leave. Well, hearing that and then them approaching closer. And then you hear, like, multiple, whatever they are of them, mm-hmm. take off. Mm. I couldn't stay there. There'd be no way. No. What did they want? Like, if they would have, I don't know. It's Just creepy. made me forget that we were talking about the Bennington Triangle. <laughs> I know. So that was in the Bennington Triangle. You wanna go camp so, there? Yeah. Okay. We could probably find that spot, right? I'm sure we could. We got our kayaks. Hey, yeah, we got all the backpacking gear. We can do yeah. it. Yeah. Good. Would you do it? Yeah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I would be like on edge the entire time, but I might would do it. You can't even go to our local park and set up the tent and watch a movie. Okay, first of all, okay. <laughs> like, we have, we brought Todd with us. Todd's our little chihuahua. And we were trying to watch a scary movie in our tent in the middle of this little park at night. And he was sketched out, barking and growling like crazy. So it made me He's sketched just out. Looking out of the tent in one direction. 
Yeah, because we didn't have the cover Probably. on the tent, so it was like basically just a screen tent. Which is mesh. And he was just staring in one direction, growling. Yeah, so I was like, okay, there's something out there. We have to go now. I think we lasted like maybe 10 minutes. I was going to say 10, maybe 15. Yeah. And it was just, I mean. But it had a weird vibe. Yeah. So I don't know. But. I mean, there was another car parked in the parking lot. And it was like late at car. night, though. So, I know we're weird and we'll do that, but there was no sign of this other person that had their car parked there. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, well, where is this other person? It was probably a serial killer in the woods. <laughs> and that's what he was, like, growling at. Yep. It's like, guys, I see him. I can see him. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any more to talk about? Nope. Is that, that it? That was my last one. Heck Yeah. That was a good one. Creepy freaking Bennington Triangle. Yeah. We'll have to go there. Forty people have been missing. Have. Well, yeah. Disappeared. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, you know, I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, if you guys like this video, you know, give it a thumbs up. Uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel. And. Um, if you like this content, make sure to follow us on any platform that you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you enjoy this on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, ring the notification bell so you don't miss any of our content. Send us your stories. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you got to do that. Uh, you can send it to groundzeropodcasts at gmail.com. Any story. Any story. Even if you... if Even if it's... If you just write a yeah, weird just, short story. Yeah, and just let us know, share. you know, let us know that it's not a, a real experience. Um, so we can let the viewers know. Mm-hmm. But any story, strange, creepy, scary. True. True story. Not uh, true. Um, we'll share it. Cryptid encounters, alien abductions, paranormal occurrences, anything. Bizarre, scary, strange. Bizarre. Do it. Send us those stories. We will read them and we will share them. But we will see you guys in the next episode. Good night. Sweet.